Today we, we're going to look at, uh, at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to consider the reality that, that sometimes God puts us in a season of hurry up and wait. Sometimes God puts us in a moment where we want to move forward, we want to act, but, but we're waiting. And, and really this season of quarantine has been a challenging one for many of us. We've been waiting for, for things to happen. We've kind of had to cool our heels at home, and, and even working from home, the, the constraints of, of working from home can be laborious, and we, we can't quite connect in the ways we want to. And, and in terms of relationships, especially the extroverts are going crazy. I think the introverts are starting to feel maybe some of the, the effects of this. Uh, but, but this has been a moment where our planning has been stalled out, our, our action has been stalled out, our, our productivity has been stalled out, our, our rhythms of life have been interrupted. It's been a lonely season and a moment um, like this can, can lead us from, from discomfort into discontentment. And so the question I want to ask right now is what now? What are What's happening? This is what I want to ask God. What are you, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you doing this? What, what should we be doing in this moment? I want to look at a text that, uh, where the disciples are forced to hurry up and wait and see what God directs them to do. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, we'll read that together. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed By his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be able to trust you, that we'd be able to trust you with our lives, our plans, our purpose that we would not seek to find these things in ourselves, but that we would find them in your word, that we'd be directed by your plans and your perspective. Lord, I pray that we would trust your timing as well, that we'd be able to look and hurry up and wait. And in the waiting, we would seek to, to do so in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here we see that that. Christ has been crucified, he's risen, he, he has been with the disciples for really 40 days, it says. If you go to verse uh, 3, he says, he presented himself alive to them after he suffered many proofs, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So he's been with the disciples for about 40 days, teaching them about uh, the kingdom of God, and, and in addition, giving them proofs, showing them he's alive and, and explaining all of this to them. Now, in the moment, in verse 4, he says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And I think it's funny that he orders them to wait, because you can imagine, you can imagine Peter, 
you know, this, this impetuous uh, action, ready, fire, aim type guy, just hearing Jesus is alive, my king is alive, and then running into Jerusalem and trying, trying to start, you know, a, a, a political riot or, or rebellion. I mean, let's, 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 let's overthrow the Roman government. Let's establish this kingdom. Jesus, you're back. I've got my sword. I know I cut that guy's ear off. He didn't do a great job this time, but we'll get some soldiers and we will take over. He, he had a lot of action with not necessarily any strategy and certainly no divine power. This would have been a lot of misdirected energy. Jesus, however, wanted to position the disciples to wait and receive. He had a plan and he had a methodology that, that they needed in order to do the purpose, to accomplish the purpose that God had established through Jesus for the, for the disciples. And it's interesting that he tells them to wait. Now, sometimes our actions are nothing more than a way of avoiding the fear of waiting on God. Sometimes we want to do stuff. We want to clean the house. We want to, you know, build a, a project. We want to go to work and, and work 80 hours because we don't want to sit and be still and recognize that we're empty before God. And maybe this quarantine has been a moment for you to be faced with the reality of, of who you are before God. If that's you, I would encourage you, rather than trying to numb yourself with activity, rather than trying to escape the feeling of, of being bare and, and alone in the presence of God, I want to encourage you to, to stand before God and say, what are you doing in my life right now? If you're in the middle of struggle, pain, relational challenges, rather than trying very quickly to fix and, and find the perfect solution and, and, and read the perfect book to find the perfect answer, I would encourage you to just stand or sit and be in the presence of God and wait. Jesus wanted the disciples to wait and receive. And waiting was a good thing because it meant that, meant that they would receive the Holy Spirit. They were going to receive the third person of the Trinity. He was going to come and he was going to fill them, empower them, be present with them. Last week we talked about David ushering in the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, worshiping God and celebrating, and he was doing so because he was ushering in the presence of God into the kingdom. And, and the, the, the crazy reality was the, the presence of God was localized to the Ark of the Covenant, not, not that God was, was limited in his own ability, but he had chosen to limit himself to being present in this particular circumstance by the Ark of the Covenant. In the New Testament, we see that Christ offers us the presence of God through the Holy Spirit wherever we are because we are indwelt and, and filled, as we'll see, by the Holy Spirit. They would receive the Holy Spirit. But really, for them to appreciate what was happening, their, their perspective had to change. And so we see in verses 6 and 7 that Jesus is still, he's still teaching, still bumping up against their preconceived notions of how things ought to be. And, he's, and uh, they, see that they say this. Jesus promises and says, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And verse 6, uh, the disciples say this. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Effectively, they were saying, okay, we saw that you know, you were establishing your kingdom. We heard about that. We listened. That was awesome. Then you died, and we kind of freaked out, and we thought, okay, maybe you weren't the one, and I was sorry about that. But now that you're back, are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to take 
uh, the kingdom of Israel and, and rip it away from the Roman rule? And are you going to establish us as a unique nation? Is this going to be, you know, King David 2.0, like we, we expected in the Bible? It, are, is it now? Are we doing this now? You know, who's going to be in your cabinet? Who's going to be, who's going to be second in command? Can I, can I, can I be in charge of the army? I mean, I'm obviously speculating, but, but this is kind of the tone and the tenor of what they were doing. Are you going to what? Restore, as the word says in verse six, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus answers, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. <laughs> Jesus, he, he doesn't even answer their question. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. He says, uh, that's above your pay grade. That's above your pay grade. He, he basically says that your perspective is set on things that you don't even need to worry about. You know, what's funny is sometimes my kids will come to me and, and uh, you know, ask me, you know, how much money I make or, or you know, wh- what are we going to do about this other child? Or, you know, wh- what are we going to do about this issue uh, in, in, in the household? And I'm looking at them and I'm saying, you know, I love you, but that's above your pay grade. <laughs> don't, don't worry about those things. I'm going to take care of those things. You know, Daddy, do we have, an, do we have enough money to, to get this thing? I really need to, You don't worry about money, buddy. I'll take care of that. We're, you know, you just ask for the things you need and, and you, you pursue your purpose and I will, I will make sure that your purpose happens. The disciples were focused on the wrong thing. They still didn't get the nature of the kingdom. He, Jesus had been teaching them about the kingdom, it says in verse three, for 40 days. And prior to that, his whole ministry over a period of three years was, was in part unpacking what his kingdom was going to look like. And still, they didn't get it. He's been giving them this crash course, and, and they don't get it because they have the wrong perspective. They wanted to know if he was restoring it. And they were so fixated on what they understood the kingdom to be that they missed what Jesus wanted to accomplish through them. If we, if we come to God's word unwilling for our perspective to be changed, um, we're going to miss what God has for us. Family, if you, if you come to the Bible thinking you have it all figured out, thinking that, that you don't have any problems that need to be addressed, thinking of a list of other people that, that this text would be beneficial for. If you listen to sermons and you think, oh man, my neighbor needs to hear this because he's, uh, he, he really needs to hear this. Or, or my, my, my spouse needs to hear this. You know, I'm going to save this message because my spouse needs to hear how they need to change. If that's how we approach, if that's the perspective that we approach the Bible with, then, then we will have problems hearing and receiving God's plan for our life. Jesus doesn't necessarily, say, doesn't necessarily say no as much as he sidesteps the question uh, because the question is not his main, his main concern. Jesus wants to shift their perspective so that they can embrace his plan. So he goes on and he says in verse 8, but you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jer- Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power. So he brings it back to the Holy Spirit, guys. We're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. In verse, uh, verse five, he says, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit. In verse eight, he says, hey guys, I was talking about something before you interrupted me with that ridiculous question. We're gonna, you're gonna receive power. Jesus wanted to know that, or Jesus wanted the disciples to know that they were going to be equipped, that he was gonna equip them for a ministry. He was gonna prepare them. 
He was going to give them the, the tools necessary. He also wanted them to know that he had a purpose, that, that their purpose might not have lined up with his purpose. Family, if you want to know what your purpose is, read the word of God. And, and, and don't just have some, some list of things that you want to do and then and try and confirm it in the word of God. But again, come to the word of God being willing to be taught, being willing to be changed, being willing to, to be uh, redirected. He had a plan for them. He had a purpose for them. This power was purposeful. They were to be witnesses for Christ. Jesus shifts this discussion of, of the kingdom and, and, and who's going to be in the king's court to being heralds of God's good news. He says that you're going to be witnesses. And, and Jesus wanted to lift their eyes beyond uh, their own expectations. They were thinking, you know, Israel's going to be great. You know, all the way from Galilee down to, to Jerusalem, Judea, this, this whole span of land, this space, it's going to be great. And Jesus is thinking, no, no, I want the world. I want Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he says. His vision, his, his purpose, his plan was larger than their plan. It was, it was more expansive than their plan. It was, it was more grand than their plan. God's plan is always going to be better than your plan. God's plan is always going to be bigger than your plan. Maybe not bigger in terms of, we're, we're not talking about, about fame, we're not talking about um, notoriety, but we're talking about, uh, about extent, the extent of God's uh, presence, the extent of his, his influence. God's plan for your marriage is vast. He wants to influence every aspect of your marriage. He wants to get into every part of your marriage. He wants to touch every uh, instance, every nuance, every aspect of your marriage. God's plan for your relationships is vast. He wants you to have deep relationships. He wants you to have meaningful relationships. We read out of Romans chapter 12, the kind of loving relationships where, where people are, are weeping with those who weep or are caring for those who are in pain or are meeting the needs who are the, with those uh, who, who, who lack. You're walking in, in, in communion, in fellowship, in commitment with those who they don't necessarily look like you or sound like you, but, but they're... They're with you in relationship because God has established you in those relationships. God's plans for your relationships are bigger than your plans. God's plan for how you spend your time and energy and resources are, are bigger than, than your plans. God tells us to be zealous in prayer, to be thoughtful, to be giving, to be generous. God wants us to do more with our money than, than focus on ourselves. God wants us to be, do more with our, our time and energy than to, to focus on our personal desires. He wants us to be the kind of people who are always outwardly focused, who are giving outwardly because he's poured out into us. If you want to submit your life and your plans to God and allow his word to inform you and direct you, your perspective and your purpose will be broadened. Family, God has a broad purpose for you. But sometimes we like to think of that in terms of, of our, our own life, our own benefits, our own fame, our own notoriety, our own dream or destiny. But when God thinks broadly, when he thinks widely, he thinks about giving, sacrificing, laying down your life, humbling yourself broadly. Humbling yourself in your marriage, humbling yourself in your parenting, humbling yourself in your, in your community, humbling yourself in your, in your giving. 
sacrificing in your generosity, being radical in these things. He wanted them to go from from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth to be witnesses. You know, from from one perspective, it's it's a rather humble calling. They were called to go to these places and say, God has done something just to, to be reporters of what God has done. Now, he does give them power, and, and we see that the, the disciples perform amazing miracles. But again, the, the point of the miracle was not to bring attention to the disciples themselves. It was rather to reorient people so that they ha- would have a perspective to see and receive the fact that Jesus was alive and he had done something in creation. So the, their purpose and their, their dream and their destiny was not focused on themselves. And in that sense, it was not big, but it was focused on the world. So we see that he calls them to wait. He calls them to trust his perspective, and he calls them to trust his plan. These are some of Jesus' last words before he ascends into heaven. So they're, they're clearly some of the, the ones that he wants them to hear and remember. And he says, I want you to be witnesses who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like David ushered in the presence of God into Jerusalem. Whether you're going to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or to the ends of the earth, I want you to usher in the power and the presence of God, and I want you to be a witness to God. He wanted them to wait, to change their perspective and embrace his plan. Family, you, you may be in a season of waiting. We're all, in, in one sense, in a season of waiting, waiting for things to open up, waiting for our lives to return to quote-unquote normal, waiting for our, our ability to, to do the things we want to do, to live the way we want to live, to go walk outside and, and, and without offending or being afraid. We are in a season of waiting. But in this moment, rather than trying to rush ahead and act and, 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 and numb ourselves to the fact of our waiting. Let me encourage you to, to recognize that God has allowed us to be, be in this place and he has a purpose for this moment. What are you waiting for? What is God trying to do in the middle of your waiting? What aspect of your, your perspective needs to shift? And, and how do you need to reorient your purpose so that it's, uh, it's aligned with and it's informed by and directed by God's purpose for your life. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And we thank you that you did send not only your son, but your Holy Spirit. That as we celebrate on this Pentecost Sunday, we remember the the coming of your Holy Spirit who fills your disciples, who empowers us for for witness, who allows us to, to move in the supernatural, but not just for the sake of of being exciting, but in order that we might open doors to be witnesses to what Christ has done in the world. God, I pray that you would help us to be witnesses, especially in this moment in time, to be witnesses of what you've done in this world. Witnesses of your radical love, witnesses of your radical uh, forgiveness, witnesses of your radical reconciliation, witnesses of your radical ethnic, social, racial reconciliation, witnesses of of the kind of love that that overcomes and supersedes all other obstacles, that is self-sacrificing and others-focused. 
God, would you help us to be that kind of people? Would you help us to carry that kind of love into the, the spheres of influences that you've placed us in? If you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if, if you've never looked to him to, to give you life and meaning and perspective, if you, if you recognize in this moment that, that you are a sinner, someone who's broken God's law, you've been separated from him because of that sin, and you need to be reconciled to him. This is the ultimate reconciliation. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life that you and I should have lived. He died on the cross, defeating Satan, sin, and death, taking our shame, giving us his honor, and being, being murdered in a shameful manner as a criminal so that we might be able to walk in honor as sons and daughters of God. That's the good news. And he offers eternal life to anyone who would trust in him. And if that's you, let me encourage you, just pray this prayer with me. God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin, the things that I know that I shouldn't do, that, that I do, the things that I know that sh- I should do, that I haven't done. I turn away from all of that and I turn to you in obedience trusting you, trusting you, not trusting my obedience, not trusting my actions, but trusting you, Jesus, that your obedience, your actions were sufficient to give me salvation, to reconcile me to the Father, to give me new life. And I want to walk in new life. Help me to walk in a way that honors you, that honors the sacrifice that you have made, that recognizes that, that my life is hidden in Christ. If, you've, if you prayed any semblance of that prayer, please let us know in the, in the chat. We'd love to walk this out with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. We'd love to help you figure out what it means for you to live in a way that honors God, that, that is worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Family, I love you. In good times and in bad times, we, in all of these moments, we can remember and recognize that God is both good and sovereign. He is a good God, even when the world is not. He is a sovereign God, even when the world feels chaotic. This is our hope. This is our trust. All right. Well, in this moment, uh, we are continuing to, to reach out to our community. And so we've been working really hard to, to raise money, to provide resources for individuals and families in the Sterling, Herndon, Reston, Ashburn, Leesburg, Northern Virginia area. And, and it has been amazing to see you give. It's been amazing, family, to see you give sacrificially and provide for the needs of those uh, around us. And so today is another day for, for us to have the opportunity to be generous with what God has given us in order that we might be generous to those in need. Uh, if you would like to give, you can do so by, you can write a check to Grace, Co- Grace Covenant Church and uh, you can make uh write Sterling Benevolence in the memo and send that to our church offices. Otherwise, you can give online at gracecub.org slash sterling. Click the give button or you can give through our mobile app. Um, I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us and I pray that you would use this offering for your glory and the benefit of those in need in this community. God, I pray that we would be able to not just say be warm and well-fed, but that we'd be able to feed and shelter and serve those less fortunate in our community, those in need. Help us to love our neighbor well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
family. It's that time. So let me say this to you. And, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father God, we worship you and we thank you. Be with us this week, we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.